you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, Movement Church? It's good to see your beautiful faces. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you look beautiful. Turn to your second choice and say, you're beautiful too. Man, I'm so glad that you're with us. For those of you that are new, my name is Carrie. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited I get the chance to close out our series, Walking with Wisdom. But before I do, I just want to challenge you and encourage you that we've got some amazing things coming up, and this next series is going to be pretty powerful, I believe. It's all about relationships, marriage, dating, friendships, parenting, sex, all of the above. And I'm just telling you, probably one of the biggest things plaguing humanity right now has to do with relationships. And uh, you you don't want to miss it, but we actually want to tailor this series to what you are walking through in your life right now. So they're going to throw something up on the screen right now. And if you do me a favor, just text the word questions to the number on the screen. You can submit your questions. They are 100% anonymous. Uh, We will not know who it is. So you don't have to put asking for a friend or anything like that. Like you can just be straight up and ask whatever questions you want. And we're going to take this. We're starting off the series with a Q&A session with a, a panel. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some get, friends coming in. They're going to close out the series. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, conflict. We're going to talk about everything in between. You don't want to miss it. So text the word questions. And just submit any question that you're walking through in any relationship, in any dynamic, whether it's with an employee or an employer, with your spouse, with a friend, whatever it is, submit that to us so that we can actually tailor this series to the things that you're walking through. Because I believe that God has a great and unique plan for our lives, specifically with our relationships. I really do. Now, we don't, uh, we're not pretending like we have every answer to every question. Uh, there's no way we could possibly do that. But I, I do believe that God will use our time together and, and really do something profound in our lives. So make sure you're here. It starts next week. And we're kicking off with a bring a friend. Listen, I'm telling you, the people in your world, they need this series. So on your way out, there's an invite card like this. It says, spill the tea. Invite your friends. Uh, we're Father's Day. We're kicking it off big. We're giving out a million dollars to every person who shows up. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm lying. But uh, it's going to be great. So you don't want to miss it. And uh, I'm just telling you. It is going to be worth it. Also, I want to say hello to those of you that are tuning in online. I'm so sorry that I failed to say hi. Do me a favor. All of our in-person folks, would you give a hand for those that are watching online? We're so glad that you're with us. I think God's going to do something pretty awesome. Hey, listen. Man, we, we need the church. You know, Jesus referred to the church as his bride. In other words, this, this is something so important to him. It's his game plan for humanity. We need community. Now listen, the the church is comprised of people. Messy, imperfect, jacked up people. Just like the person sitting on your right right now. Okay, not you, but the person that you came with today. But listen, which means imperfect things are going to happen in the church. And that's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that God does something miraculous through the church. I want to challenge you. Make it a priority to be here. If you're online, make it a priority. If you have no other alternative, you have to watch online, then watch online. But otherwise, make it a priority to be here. So I'm telling you, God does something amazing when we gather. 
We say it all the time. I hope you don't take it for granted. I truly believe that when God's people gather, God's presence shows up. But listen, when God's presence shows up, his power shows up. And we need God's power at work in our life. Not just the normal, not just the everyday. You've got enough mundane in your life to last a lifetime. We want to see God move. This series is called Walking with Wisdom. And we're diving through a book in the Bible that's right in the middle of the Bible called Proverbs. And it's really this PhD in wisdom to learn the ways of God, the the heart of God. In fact, one of the the ways that we're talking about it is that Proverbs enlightens us with wisdom to guide our steps, steps, lead our lives, and launch us into destiny. And our theme scripture for this is found in Proverbs chapter 7. And they'll put it on the screens for those of you that don't, didn't bring your Bible or your phone with you. But check out what this says. My son, that, that's in reference to you and me, not to a child that you're thinking of that really needs this Bible verse. But this, this contextually is for you and for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. In other words, place a high priority and a high value on the words I'm going to say to you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. We we, we write things on the tablet of our hearts all the time. Some of us have written disappointment on the tablet of our heart. Discouragements, frustrations, and failures. What the scripture is saying, hey, it's time to write my commandments, my hope for you, my heart for you. Write that on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. Our hope in this series is is not to, to, to say, here's the wisdom that you need. Our hope is that we can lean into the scripture and go, okay, God, what is your heart for me, and how can I walk in the wisdom that you've called me to walk in? And I want to just close this out, and I'm actually only going to read one scripture from the Proverbs tonight. That'll be our text for this evening. But before I do, I felt the need to set the table. Can I do that? We've got about 30 minutes or so together, and I, I just want to set the table. I want to bring some context that I believe is necessary before we get into the scripture for tonight. And the table that I want to set for you are are the the biblical answers to the five major questions that are polarizing and plaguing humanity today. All of humanity is asking these questions and they're looking for the answers by the way that they live their life. Whether they realize or not, they're asking the questions. They are. And you are as well. But the Bible actually has the answers for them. And I know that might be challenging for some, but I felt it important to contextualize where we're going because you need to know what we believe as a church. I I actually believe at the core of who I am that the Bible is not just a good book, just some, some historical documents that tell neat stories about oceans parting and people being raised from the dead. And, and if we read it, kind of wink at it a couple times and keep it on the shelf, we have good mojo in our life. I believe it's the inherent word of God. God breathed. And it answers the five big questions. And and, and you know the questions, whether you realize it or not. Question one is, who am I? Why am I here? What's the problem with all the things that we're facing 
And if there's a problem, then what's the solution? And this is the bigger question that is polarizing our world today, and that is, what is our highest moral aim? And I believe, I, I want to take a moment before I even get into the message for tonight, you just need this context. The answer to the question number one, who, who am I or who are you? You, listen to me, are a created being. And that's essential for you to know. Created. Handcrafted by God. Not a result of the big bang and all of a sudden the cosmos spun you into reality. You're created. And not only that, the Bible says you're an image bearer. And the object of his holy love I almost fell off the stage. Woo! Because my holy love sitting right here and I got real excited for a moment. Literally stepped a little too far there. Sweat is going down my back right now. You're creative beings, image bearers and objects of his holy love. And why are you here? To, to fulfill your divine and unique purpose. Those two words are essential. Divine meaning it's God breathed, God ordained, God created. Not something that you conjure up because you're brilliant and you are brilliant, but God created you with it before you were even born. And it's unique. In other words, no one else has the purpose that you have on this planet. Well, if that's it, if God created me and I have purpose, what's the problem? Well, this is where we get in trouble because the problem is sin. It is not Republicans. It is not Democrats. It is not parties of people who align behind one belief or another. And this is where we get into trouble. When we, when we try to answer the questions that life is presenting on our own, we get into trouble. When I try to define who I am as a created image, I get into trouble. When I try to define my own purpose, I get into trouble. When I point the fingers of blame at someone else as if they are the problem, I get into trouble. Why? Because the problem is sin. And you know what's so crazy about that? The Bible says all of us have sin, which means you is part of the problem. I mean, not, not you as much as the people sitting next to you, but, but you know what I'm saying. And so if there's a problem, then what is the solution? The Bible offers us the solution is the person of Jesus. The solution is not agreeing with me. The solution is not believing everything that I believe. The solution is Jesus. He came to pay the ransom and the payment for sin. And so then what is our highest moral aim? This question is truly what's plaguing our society because everybody has their own opinion of that. But let me tell you what the scripture says. It's found in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. This is our highest moral aim. It says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, I, 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 I'm giving myself up to whatever God wants to do in and through my life. A living sacrifice. Hey, Christ follower, look at me for a moment. If you're here and you're a Christian, I want to talk to you. If you're here and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe it. If you are a Christian and you think that your Christianity is about what you want to accomplish in life, you are missing the point. Because Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of me, you know what you have to do? Take up your cross. And there ain't nothing sexy about a cross. Isn't this a great start to a message? Super encouraging. Because it means that at some point, I have to lay down what I want and pick up what he wants. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing is suggesting 
that there is a way to live. There is a right way to live. And God is the one who determines what that is, not you and not me. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's my pre-sermon before my real sermon. I just want to contextualize some things. Because when we talk about some things in a moment, you, you need to know what I believe the scripture says about some of the big questions that we're facing. I want to pray and then we're going to dive into our text for tonight. And I'm going to try to share with you for about 25 more minutes. And hopefully encourage those of you that are in the room, those of you that are tuning in online. But most important, my, my hope and my prayer is that we just, we leave here just a little bit different. Not perfected, not, 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 not without pain because life offers pain. But that we can walk in the wisdom that God has given us and understand the plan that he has for us. Can we do that? But before we pray, would you do me a favor? Would you, would you raise your level of expectation? Like not of what I'm going to say, because that puts way too much pressure on me. But raise your level of expectation of what God wants to do in your life right now. Like why, why, why did God orchestrate your life to be here in this moment? What, what's he trying to do? Don't let this just be a part of your routine for a Saturday. I, I just, life, life's too crazy. There's too much pain. There's, there's too, there's too, there's just too much to not lean into the fullness of what God wants to do when a group of people get together in a room like this and have an expectation. And you know how to raise your expectation. I mean, we did it as kids on Christmas Eve. You couldn't sleep. You were ready for Christmas morning. And that's an expectation that God can do something. Can I pray for us and we'll dive in? God, we thank you for those that are in this room. We thank you for those that are tuning in online. And we have a great expectation for all that you want to say and do in our lives today. So God, we, we commit this time to you. We commit our hearts to you, and God, just, we give you permission. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen and amen. Well, let me dive into our text for today. I just want to read actually one passage from Proverbs. Proverbs is a, a book right in the middle of the Bible, and there's literally a chapter for every day of the month. And so if you don't know where to start reading, that's a great place to read. So for us to do a series and unpack the book of Proverbs, we quite literally could take three years and still barely scratch the surface. So it's impossible for me to summarize the entire book of Proverbs in just one four-week series. So I actually want to tune in and, and hone in, laser focus in onto one scripture, Proverbs verse 20, chapter 20, verse 27, check this out. In the New King James Version, it says this. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths 
of his heart. Now this, this word, the spirit of a man, the actual translation of the word spirit is the word breath. Everyone take a deep breath and exhale. Hopefully you've got a mint in your mouth and everybody in front of you is good. It's actually the word breath. And the word, this, the word breath is in reference to the spirit and soul of a man. Not just does your body have the functionality of breathing in oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. It's about the spirit and soul of a man. And when the word says the spirit and soul of a man is the lamp of the Lord, it's the same word that was used in the creation story. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, remember, we are created beings. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. It was with this breath of life that he created us, but not just as a human being. He's given us moral, intellectual, and spiritual capacity. So this separated us from all the wildlife that roams the planet. When God breathed into our life, he gave us the ability to have moral capacity. In other words, we are able to decipher and choose between right and wrong. If you've ever raised a child, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to teach them to do what's wrong. You have to teach them to be obedient. Just have a two-year-old child in a room, let another kid come in and start playing with that two-year-old's toy. The words they say are mine. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You did it as a parent. I'm just telling you. It just happens naturally. But we have to teach them obedience. We have to teach them that sharing is caring. Come on, can I get an amen? We have to teach them to clean up, clean up everybody everywhere. Did you hate it when your mom sang that song to you? Just throw your toys at, no, don't do that, I'm kidding. We are also given intellectual capacity, which means we have cognitive and rational, some of you have rational, most of us have rational and learning abilities when God breathed life into us, but he also gave us a spiritual being. This is the divine connection to a holy God. It's a a divine connection in that breath. There's a divine connection. It's why when you walk into a church service at times and you sing a song, there is something transcendent that takes place. Something internally connects to something bigger and greater than who you are. When we sing words like, even when I don't see it, he's working. Come on. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. I started way too high. You never stop. You never stop working. Never stop. Never stop working. Why does that connect? Because everyone in this room has faced a giant that you don't have the answer for. And you're a spiritual being. And the spirit on the inside connects to a living God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. We're spiritual beings. When you breathe life into us, the spirit of a man, the scripture is talking about the innermost part of me that has the ability to respond to the true and living God. My spirit 
It, it, it functions as a conscience. And the Bible as a guide. Like the guardrails of life. It, it's how I know how to please God. It's how I know how to direct my choices. It's how I know when I'm making decisions that are pleasing to God. And it's how I know when I'm making decisions that maybe grieve the heart of God. It's the spirit within me. And this is important because the scripture is telling us how to walk in wisdom. And the Bible says that the lamp of the Lord is searching the innermost parts of our heart. Deciphering what's going on in my world. It's how I know internally what it is that pleases God. It's the motivating factor. When I was a kid, I was a typical boy. I loved to burn things. Any other pyromaniacs in here? Hairspray and a match are the greatest thing that ever happened to young kids. I mean, I love to like shoot things and I would jump off of roofs. I don't know what I was thinking, but I remember I was about a seven or eight year old boy. I, I looked at the front of my house and it was a single story house. And I, I looked at the roof and there was rocks in the flower bed. And I thought naturally I should see if I can throw the rocks on the roof. Now, of course, my house, like all of yours, was lined with windows. Can you guys see where the story's going? So I'm throwing rocks up there, and I'm freaking crushing the game. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, let me see how close I can get them to each other. And then I thought, naturally, I'm too close. I need to scoot back. This is far too easy. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm, I scoot back with piles of rocks, and you know where this is going. And like, first one nailed it, second one nailed it, third one just shy of the eve of the roof, and crashes into the window, and that fear feeling, you know what I'm talking about, just came over me. Like I almost wet myself, it was so bad. And my mom came running out of the house, and her first question to me was, what were you thinking? To which I answered, I don't know. Isn't that the silliest question that we ask kids who do silly things? But it alludes to the fact that we realize there are motivating factors in each of us. Fueling us forward. And this is the part that the scripture is referring to right now. The innermost part of me that connects about and connects to who God is. And it's the inner part of who I am that God cares most about. It's not the accomplishments. It's not the facade or the masks that I wear. It's not the presentation that I hope other people will see. It's the inner workings of who I am that God cares most about. In Proverbs 20, 27, when it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. The word, the lamp of the Lord, is referring to his eye. It's saying his light searches the spirit of a man. Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. And this is challenging for us because we have made almost a living out of presenting to people the me I want them to see. We know how to act, and we do it differently around different people. We got our church friends, we got our work friends, we got our neighborhood friends, and some of us, each one of those groups of friends gets a different person. We know how to say the right things. There's an entire language called Christianese, and we only talk it when we come to church. How you doing? Bless God, brother. I'm doing amazing. 
We know how to walk in a presentation of what we want people to see, and that has nothing to do with what God is looking for. He's searching our heart. He's searching the innermost part of who we are, and we can't hide it from him. And this is a terrifying notion. In fact, this is a notion I think most of you humanity at least understands. It's the reason so many people don't walk through the doors of a church because they're so concerned that they've got to get everything right and in order in their life before they come to church. But that's because they don't understand our holy and living God. So the scripture says that the spirit of a man, that that thing that connects to God, that that he's searching the innermost part of who I am. Why? Because he created us. We're created in his image. And this is the most important thing I want you to take away. You are the object of his holy love. Which means that he cares about his creation and his plan for our flourishing. We are made. He made us. I am not a product of my own doing. In his image, not of my own. I, I am not created in my own image. I'm created in the image of a living God. The problem is we want to reverse this. We want to mold God into our image. We, uh, we want to shove God into this box that I'm most comfortable with. I want to fit God into my truth. I want to fit God into my ideologies. I want to fit God into my passions, into my desires. C.S. Lewis calls this chronological snobbery. In other words, because I'm alive today, I probably know a little bit more about God than Moses did. Because I'm alive today and we, we've evolved as humanity. We have more knowledge, more in understanding, more insight. I probably know a little bit more about God than the Apostle Paul. Chronological snobbery. As if my existence today means that I have a better understanding of who God is than anyone who's gone before me. It's as if we have the audacity to say that God actually needs my eyes to search what is relevant and what is needed today. We, we, we mold God into our image. We do it all the time. We, we shove him into the box that we need him in. Can I see this? I brought with me one of my favorite things in the world. This is my uh, 54 degree wedge. I love Jesus, my wife, golf, and my kids, and in that order, I'm kidding. This is one of my favorite clubs. Uh, it's probably the one I'm most consistent with. And this was designed and created by a company called Cleveland. And, and it has a very specific, some of you guys that like golf, you have a big smile on your face, like this is my favorite message ever. It's got a very specific design. So this is designed for me. When I'm close to the green, within about, oh, let's say 90 yards or less, not, not further than, than 100 yards, about 90 yards or less, and I can line up and just teardrop it right onto the green and set myself up for a pro putt like never before. And it's actually designed to hit out of the rough, a little thicker grass, not, not the very manicured, tailored turf. 
but the thicker rough. It's actually, it'll cut right underneath the sod and, and get the loft just perfect on the ball. A little bit of a backspin, so when it hits, usually if I'm really good, it kind of kicks a little bit to the right. And I can shape it and play it so well. At least in my dreams, that's what happens. <laughs> can you imagine if this club woke up one day and decided to tell me it's a football? Or a vehicle. It's the new Tesla truck, which we all want in the name of Jesus. <laughs> or a lounge chair. It would be absolutely absurd. Because Cleveland created this club. And Cleveland gave this club a very specific design. Cleveland decides that, not the wedge. And this club, not only does it have a specific purpose, it, it also has specifics that will increase the longevity of its life. If I go play this off of some concrete, it's going to jack up the head or it's going to bust. If I'm playing it out of gravel, it's going to be problematic. If I'm throwing it around, in other words, there's specifics not only for its purpose, but for its flourishing. And the club doesn't decide that. Its creator did. And when creation lives its life contrary to its intent, the only result is pain. When creation lives its life contrary to its intent, the only result is pain. Anybody in here experience some pain from trying to do some things your own way? Can we be honest? Would you show your hands for a minute? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> when creation lives its life contrary to its intent, the only result is pain. So why are the eyes of the Lord searching the inner depths of humanity? What would be the, the purpose because the Lord knows that we have a propensity for self-destruction. We were born into that. Humanity has fallen. Remember, the problem is sin. And sin entered when Adam and Eve chose sin rather than God's plan for human flourishing. So our propensity is self-destruction, even if it's a mild self-destruction. See, what we'll do is we'll look at other people's self-destruction and measure our self-destruction against that and think, no, that's self-destruction. I just need to make some better choices. You call it what you want to call it. He knows our propensity for that. He knows also that I try to hide it. He, he knows that I, I try to hide the reality of who I, the inner me, the spiritual component of who I am. I know, how, I know how to hide that from the person I'm closest to, my spouse. I know how to hide that from the people who are in my connect group. I've become so good at only allowing people to see the part of me that I want them to see. God knows that. He knows it. Why? Because we're humanity and the problem is sin. But he has a plan for our flourishing, so he's searching the innermost part of who we are, not so that he can point the finger and say, you are a failure, but because you are his creation. 
You're an image bearer. And the object of his holy love. And he has a plan for your flourishing. He wants what's best for you. And you know what God uses to search the spirit, the breath of man? He uses his spirit. The Holy Spirit. In fact, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the Greek word for it is pneuma. Everyone say pneuma. You learned some Greek. Congratulations. It means the breath of God. The breath of God. In fact, another translation is the sustained wind. He uses his Holy Spirit to search the innermost parts of who I am. And we want this in our life. Look at what Ephesians 4.30 says. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And here's the good news for you and for me. His Holy Spirit is always present. The sustained breath of God. Always present. Some of you need to be encouraged that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Never. Always present. Which means that in the good times, in the greatest of times, he's taking everything that you're walking through and working out for your good according to his plan and purpose for your life. We read that in Romans 8, 28, but it also means even in the times of pain. And what he has the ability to do is to make the greatest purpose out of your pain. You know, one of the greatest pain points that I've ever walked through was losing my dad. It's actually been about six years now, and many of you have been here through the journey and heard me tell stories, but you know, just if you've ever lost someone close to you, it, it just it, it rips a part out of you that you just can't, you don't know how to explain it. And a grief that is overwhelming just kind of floods in. And, and that's okay. And then it, it comes in waves. Like there's times that you just, you just did, you didn't expect it. Like, I remember about a month after my dad passed, passed I, I wanted to text him about a service we had. And like 13 people said yes to Jesus, and I texted him. And, and then I got a response back that said, who is this? I think you have the wrong number. And it dawned on me, and my dad passed away a month ago, and some other joker has his phone. So I flew to that guy's house and beat him up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, man, grief overwhelmed. And then I remember... Four years ago, Father's Day came and went, and I got a text from a friend, hey, I know it's Father's Day, and I know this is a hard day because you've, you've, you've lost your father, and it dawned on me I hadn't even thought about him. And I was starting to forget him, and grief flooded in. And then when, like, my kids graduate a grade or have a musical, and my dad can't even see a video or an Instagram post, or he would have been on Facebook, and posting very inappropriate things about, you know, Republicans and Democrats and <laughs> as if that changes the world. Oh, it just hurts a lot. And then I'm in Montana last week and 
the guy had just lost his mom. And he was overwhelmed with grief. And I told him some of those stories. And we cried together. And then I realized, oh, God brings purpose to our pain. He's always here. So when, when the scripture says that the eye of the Lord is searching the innermost part of who we are, it is not the God with the proverbial magnifying glass ready to scorch our rear end. He's very present. In fact, the Bible says he's our very present help in times of need. He's always present. But he's also always searching. John 16 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, this is Jesus speaking, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he will come and he will convict the world concerning sin. And we don't like that scripture. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We don't like the notion of sin. We don't like to talk about sin. In fact, we try to minimize our sin. And we often do this by looking at the sins of other people because then it makes me feel better about my sin. Or we'll minimize sin to other people because we don't want them to feel bad about their life choices. So we kind of just want to talk about the good things of God that even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Man, he's never going to stop. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. But the Holy Spirit is also searching the innermost parts of who I am because there is a right way to live. And there is a wrong way to live. And the right way is called righteousness, and it leads to human flourishing. And the wrong way is called sin, and it leads to pain and hurt and frustration and disappointment. And God doesn't want that for us. So his Holy Spirit leans in and it's like, hey, knock it off. Now we think that God's leaning in to say you're a failure. You've always been a failure. You'll always be a failure. But that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. He moves with compassion. He leans in and he taps you on the shoulder and he says, hey, you're better than that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to speak that way. You don't have to talk about that person. You don't have to participate in that thing. Condemnation says that's who you always have been. But conviction says, man, let me paint a picture of your future. Your created beings, your image bearers, objects of his holy love. And God cares about his creation, has a plan for your flourishing, but it's his plan and not your plan. We don't like that. It's his plan And it's not your plan. So here's my question for you. What has taken up residence in your life that has no business being there? What has taken up residence in your life that has no business being there? Where the Holy Spirit might be taking this moment, 6 p.m. on a Saturday evening, just to say, hey, let's make some adjustments. You're better than this got more for you you weren't created to live this way you don't have to walk in this anymore what's taking up residence in your life you know the Bible says in Proverbs 
chapter 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is in the way of death. The harsh reality is this, that we can feel like we are on the right track, doing the right thing, and be dead wrong. We want God's plan for our flourishing. That's walking in wisdom. And some of you today, this is merely a reminder to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do in you. Look at me in the eyes. For some of you today, this is about making the decision to begin with Jesus. There is a starting point with him. Let no one tell you differently. It is not church membership. It's not eradicating your past. It's saying yes to who he is. And some of you have not made that decision. Some of you who are watching online, you've not begun the journey with Jesus. And we take a time in every sermon to give people the opportunity to begin the journey with Jesus. If you're here and you've never made that decision, I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, walk up to the front of this room, but I'm going to challenge you to simply pray a prayer with me and to make that prayer your own. So if you're here today and you've never begun that journey, or listen, some of you made that prayer, made that decision years ago, weeks ago, months ago, but you've been running from God and today's your day to come running back. I want to challenge you to make this prayer your own. Do me a favor, everyone in this room, everyone online, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, no one moving. But if that's you and you said, you know, I need to begin that journey today, or maybe I need to start that journey again for the first time in a long time, why don't you just repeat this prayer after me in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper. But just say this, say, Dear God, I know that you're real, that you love me, that you've given me purpose, but I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.